0: excited about what he's, the journey he's about to take us on. And this baby dedication this morning, I, I can tell you that as I was beginning to just hear what Holy Spirit was saying to me about Raiden and, and just the little bit that I did say, I knew that this moment today was going to be an impetus for where we were going. It was going to be the beginning uh, for where he wanted to take us in Psalm uh, 139 so in just a second I'm going to begin to teach the first part of the series evidence um, and I can tell you that when we if you have children and they have not been dismissed yet they're welcome to be dismissed at this time to go to Kids Rock if you want them to stay with you they're certainly welcome to do that if you want to keep babies in here you're certainly welcome to do that I simply ask that if if the baby needs attention and um, that you would you would not please uh, parent them in whatever way is necessary And uh, while it might not bother you, consider that the people beside you uh, might be distracted. So just keep that in mind. We love our babies, and we love them to be present with us. But if they need to go out for a minute, it's okay. And then bring them back in. It's all good. Amen? Amen. Sometimes you go out, and you're adults. So I can tell you that um, it's an exciting thing to be able to consider the ways that God does things in our lives. And as I begin to move and, and just hear Holy Spirit about this series, Evidence, and, and also begin to think about Raiden, I couldn't help but get past, or I couldn't help but focus on the, the, the whole thought that she is really evidence of something that God put in, in mine and my wife's heart years ago before we knew it was in our heart. We didn't really know. In fact, before I knew my wife, um... You know, there's this thing. It never bothered me, the idea of being a grandfather. It never bothered me. You know, like some people are like, no, nah, I'm not ready for that. I don't want to be a grandfather. I'm, I'm too young for that and so on and so forth. It just never, the thought just never bothered me to be a grandfather. It didn't. In fact, I wear it. I'm joyful that I'm, I am that today. And it's evidence. And I want to talk about this today, finding The reason. And it's an abstract viewpoint of the evidence of God. Are you ready to walk with me? All right, so turn with me in your Bibles, please, this morning to Psalm 139. I encourage you to follow along on the Holy Bible app. Uh, If you follow along on that and click on events, everything, the scriptures I'm going to be using today, you can take notes there. It's really, really, really easy. If you just look up the Holy Bible app on whatever smart device you use, Click on the events part, find the Rock of Central Florida, and this will be everything I'm sharing today, or most of it, will be present in that. So let me ask you a question. What actually happens when we do things the way God instructed and we get past our own fears, our doubts, and our pride? What actually happens when we get past us and we get into him? I can tell you what happens. The Father will every single time honor his word. Every time he will honor his word. So today, I want us to begin to look at finding the reason that we are the way we are. Everybody say, I am the way that I am. So let me ask you a question this morning. So how many people in here, and be honest, I'm not asking for details, I'm not asking for specifics, but I want to ask this question. How many people in here, there are parts and pieces of your personality that you have tried to redo, you have tried to get around, you have tried to teach yourself a way around that part of your personality. How many people in here have ever done that? Most people in this room, the truth would be, probably all of us in this room, at one time or another, have discovered something about ourselves, and even if we didn't discover it about ourselves, someone discovered it for us and made us aware of it. So they would be, Do you know you do this? I do not. Yes, you do. And then the next time you do it, you realize, I do. And they make you aware of something. There's so many things in each of us, and I'm not going to use any of you as an example today, but I'm going to use me. But there are things in our lives that we try to rearrange and we try to shift that is a part of who we are that in truth, we need to ask ourselves, are we robbing God? By trying to bury what we see not as a talent, but as a problem. Is it possible that sometimes what we see in our personality, in our nature, is it possible that sometimes what we see as an issue is really a gift? Is it possible that sometimes what we try to hide in the back corner of ourselves, and I'll help you understand in a moment, Is it possible that some of those things are actually there because the Father put them there? I can tell you the answer to that is absolutely. You've heard me say before that I can't apologize for my personality because when God called me, I mean, people have said to me before, they've said, you know, in order to be a preacher, you have to do this, do this, and do this, and you have to have this kind of personality and so on and so forth. And my response has always been the same. Well, when he called me, to preach he knew what he was getting right. <laughs> he wasn't surprised because I'm outspoken he didn't say oh pff, mm, didn't know that was there he wasn't surprised because I, he knew I would be I would tell the truth and sometimes it's not comfortable he didn't say oh man wish I would have worked on that before I called you nevertheless there were things about me and I'm going to talk about me and this will apply to all of you so when I'm telling my story make it yours you fill in the blanks for your own story. But before I go any further, I want to read again out of Psalm 139, what I read about Raiden just a few moments ago, and it says this. Psalm 139, verse 15 says, My frame was not hidden from you. I have never been invisible to God. Say that with me. Say, I I have never never been been invisible invisible to to God. He's not surprised by who I am. Say that. That's right. Now look at the guy beside you or the girl beside you whoever and say he's not surprised by who you are. Who you are. So t- t- you don't have to say this, so, but I will. Stop trying to pretend that somehow he messed up. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Love that, the way that's stated. No one could see you making me. Not a single voice had the ability to interfere with what your purpose was when you made me. You made me secretly, intricately wove me from the soil, the depths. Of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. I wasn't even made yet, and yet in your mind I was made. Get this for a moment. I wasn't yet formed, but in your mind I was made. I wasn't yet formed, but you had a complete vision of me. In your book were written every one of my days. The days that were formed for me, when even though at the moment none of them yet existed, you knew. There's a show that was real popular a few years ago, might still be, I'm not sure, but the X-Men stories, you know, they went on those movies, there's about 962 of them, and but the X-Men, and there's this, and I don't even know what group it is, Marvels or whatever it is, I'm not sure, but it was basically a story of a bunch of mutants who, all of them had these particular issues, and everybody saw them, the earth, and I'm really, really putting this down into a nutshell, but these X-Men, these mutants as they called them, the earth saw them as problematic. They would look at them, and this one could transform, and the other one had claws that came out of his hand, and uh, this is grotesque, but the, you know, one, they, they all did different things. One could fly, one turn, whatever. They would do all these different things, and one was mag- magnetic, and you know, all these things were happening, and the earth saw them and said, these people, they have an issue. These folks have an issue, you know, these kids that are born this way, this one can make fire come out of their eyes, and this one can do whatever. And these these people have an issue, we need to corral them, we need to put them in a place and hide them away. We need to make sure and do the best we can to try to make them normal. And they, they begin in some of these movies, or one of these movies, they're trying to find a way to normalize these unusual children. That were being born and that were coming into the earth and and they had these strange and odd gifts. And the world just couldn't accept them and even some of them couldn't accept themselves. And there was a lot of battles that were going on among them as they were in this school um, that were supposed to train them how to use their special unique abilities they were learning to use these, and, and they would get mad at themselves, and, and they would get frustrated because they couldn't control it, and, and this one couldn't control the power to, I don't know, uh, throw a tree or whatever it was. You know, they couldn't control the power of their magnetism or whatever, and they would get mad at themselves, and they would get angry, and they would, they would explode in, in this passion of, of, of disappointment and discouragement, and why can't I just be like everybody else? If I wasn't born with this special thing, if I wasn't born with this, why can't I be like everybody else? But there was one particular man that was over there. I can't remember what his name was. What was the head guy's name? Xavier. And his job was to help them understand that, listen, what you think is a problem really is a gift. What you identify as an issue really is a gift. And if you'll trust me, and you'll listen to me, I can show you how the thing that has become an issue and a problem to you and everybody who knows you really is something to be celebrated. I want to talk about this today because as we talk about evidence, I would say the same thing perhaps Xavier would have said to any of those that were under his care. I would say to you the same thing, and that is this. Listen, when the Father created you, you became the evidence of His ability to do all things well. So no matter how you are, He has done all things well. Listen to me this morning. Listen, look at, read my lips this morning. Whoever you are, however you are, He has done all things well. Let me say it a little differently. Whoever you are, whatever you are this morning, I want you to know He has done you well. Whatever those things are today, and I would dare to say this, that there's people in this room right now, when I asked a while ago, I said, how many have ever tried to push aside some of those things you didn't think were good qualities? And I said it as though it were past tense, but I would dare to say this morning that there's people sitting in this room right now, sitting in the seat where you are right now, watching online right now, sitting in your kitchen, your living room, your, wherever you're watching, and you're sitting somewhere right now, and you're doing it right now. Before you, When you walked into the building today, you did something. You, you began to suppress and something, you wanted to do something, say something, whatever it was, and you suppressed it because you thought, mm, you know, this is not a good thing and maybe people wouldn't like this. Let's talk about that this morning if we can. Sometimes we disregard and even try to change things about who we are all while the Father really wants to use our special quality as evidence of His plan. Consider this. Let's start this morning with what it is to be raw and ungoverned. Growing up, my dad, and you know the story, and m- many of you do, you know the story of my father. I, there's nothing about my father that um, I could never speak evil of my dad, never, ever, because he was amazing in every sense of the word. Um, while he was not my biological father, he was my father, and, and it, 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 he could not be more my dad. And he loved me, and he cared for me, and he taught me, and he instructed me in the ways that he knew how. Um, But what I'm about to tell you is going to sound like it was a cruel thing for him to say, but it really wasn't. It was a truth because there was a part of me that was raw and ungoverned. And everybody say this with me, if you would, please, so that we can all have a little bit of guilt at this particular moment until we're all set free at the same time. Everybody say this with me this morning. Say, in me, me, there are are some raw and ungoverned places. Okay, now we're all in this together, and I like it that way. But growing up, I would, my mouth, um, you know, just, there was a problem with my mouth. And my dad would say to me, I would get in trouble pretty regularly, and my dad would say to me often, he would say, son, your mouth is going to get you in trouble, or your mouth always gets you in trouble. You can't keep your mouth shut. And then he would, I would get spanked. For whatever. My dad actually did spank me, and that's why I turned out so cool. And, um, <laughs> but he would say, son, your mouth is going to get you in trouble. Now, when he would say that, it would hurt my feelings. It would crush me. Because I didn't see a problem with my mouth. I thought how I related to people, I thought was good. It's like every child, yeah. every teenager. Yeah. You think whatever you're saying, you think whatever you're doing is, yeah. is better than what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so I thought if I said it that way... It was better than they could have said it. Or if I did it that way, it was better than they could have done it. Just like you. Because we all swim in those waters for a little bit in our life. And he would say that. And he would say, son, your mouth is going to get you in trouble. And as I began then to discover, though, as I began to grow up and I began to discover, he was right. It seemed like no matter where I was or where I went, my mouth was getting me in trouble. I'm going to share a couple of stories with you that, again, some of you are familiar with, some of you aren't, so I don't want to give all the details, but I want to give you enough so that you can understand. But I was in the Air Force, and when I was in the Air Force, those of you that know me know that I went AWOL. I've never met another person who went AWOL, who served 30 days in confinement, got an Article 15, and paid a $480 fine that got an honorable discharge. I'm the only person I've ever known that did all of that and still got an honorable discharge, but I did. (laughs) But what got me there wasn't good. And I remember when I had gone AWOL, and I was AWOL for 21 days, and they caught up with me. And my mom is probably laughing right now because they caught up with me at your house, Mom. (laughs) But they caught up with me, and when they did, I had to go back to Little Rock Air Force Base. And when I went back to Little Rock Air Force Base, Base, and they confiscated my keys and my car... And everything else that would allow me to leave the base. And they took me into this holding area. And I'm sitting in that holding area. And I'm thinking to myself all that's going to happen. And I'm fearful. And I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm afraid. i got a lot of things going on in my world. Fear. I didn't know God. Did not serve God at all at that point. And I'm in that place. And I just remember that. Throughout the story, I don't want to give you all the details because they'll bore you to death, but throughout the process of getting my judgment from the Air Force, when they decided these are the things that we're going to do, I remember I had just finished serving my 30 days confinement, and now that sounds like not a big deal to you, but that's only because you haven't served it. You never served it. To me, that was a big deal. 31 days would have been too much. In my world and I just finished serving my 30 days and I they came and got me and they took me to the base commander's office and I went in there and I sat down in that base commander's office and I'm sitting with my Air Force assigned attorney and the base commander comes in and he said Airman Parker this is what's happened we've reviewed your record all the details I'll just say it that way we've reviewed all the details And after reviewing the details, we've made a decision. We're going to release you from the Air Force with an honorable discharge. Basically said, we're not giving you the option to remain. I wanted to be in the Air Force. I wanted to be an air traffic controller or a computer programmer. But they had just said to me, you're not allowed to stay. If you try to fight this, then you're not going to get an honorable discharge. And he said, are you okay with that? And I wish I had heard my dad's voice in that moment. Because I'm sitting at that table in that little room, and I still see it today. All the fear had left me, and the only thing that came up in me was anger. And I'm sitting there, and he said, Can you agree to that? And I let it rip. And everything that I, every word I knew, this is the base, this is my commander. Not the base commander, but my commander. Every word I knew, I'm just throwing at this guy. And he sat there and he listened for about maybe two or three minutes. And when he was done, he had words I'd never heard (laughs) that he shared back. And called me everything that you could possibly imagine. You are unthankful. You are, we are trying to keep you from going to Leavenworth and you are, and just going on and on about all the things that they could have done and they didn't do. And I sat there and I just let my words fly because I was raw and ungoverned. Right, right. Huh. So finally, after he did that, I said, okay. I don't want to stay. (laughs) You can let me out. Give me the keys. I'm getting out of the gate. Give me the keys to my car. And I left. That's the short story. But many times after that, I had opportunities to witness the words that my father gave to me in an abstract way to see the evidence of God. And hear my my father's voice say to me, son, your mouth is going to get you in trouble. And when I left that meeting that day, I realized, man, my mouth just got me in trouble. It almost sent me to prison. My mouth almost sent me to prison. And I left there and I went to college. And you know this story. And I'll tell this. I've got to make these points. I can only use me, but you use you. And then I went to college and you've heard me talk about my instructor in college. And I went in there and I didn't understand one of the assignments. And I had such an attitude, such an arrogance and such a foolishness about who I was, and that time I felt like the world had come against me and I was going to take it out on everybody that I knew because of things in my life. Stupid. It was just stupid. It was raw and ungoverned. Full of pride. I don't need anybody to help me. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it on my own. And I was going to college. I was paying my own way, trying to make it, living in an apartment on my own. And I go into this classroom I had, and I didn't get it. So I asked the instructor, could I meet with you? I need to ask some questions. Very nice guy. I really actually like the guy. You've heard me tell this. And he said, yeah, you can meet me in my office at whatever time. So I go to meet him in his office, and I get in there. This is just, you'll just understand. And I walk into his office, and when I get in there, he said, have a seat. And it bothered me. I didn't want to hang out. I just want to come in here and I want you to explain this thing, show me on your desk, and then I want to get out, man. I got places to be. I'm 19 years old then, but some of you are really going to get a bad view of who I am. I'm not that guy anymore. I've been redeemed. (laughs) But there are pieces of that. Well, we'll get there. And I said, no, sir. I I just, if you don't mind, I just like stand. And he said, well, I actually do mind. Well, at that point, it's a challenge. He said, I do mind. I want you to sit down, and I want to explain this to you. And I said, and I was trying to be nice, and I, was, and I just said, no, sir, I, please, I just re- really would like to stand. I'm just it's going to take two minutes, and I'll be out of here. He said, no, I'm not telling you anything until you sit down. And I sat there, and I stared at him. He said, Steve, sit down. And I said, no, sir. He said, Steve, if you do not sit down, I will expel you from my class. I said a few choice words with my mouth and said expel away. And guess what? Never sat in his class again. And failed. And I went out of there and again was reminded of what my father said. Your son, your mouth is going to get you in trouble. So what I begin to do is I begin to do something that so many of us do. And I addressed it just a few moments ago because I didn't know God yet. But when I came to know God, I was so afraid that my mouth was going to get me in trouble. And I was going to say things that wouldn't look like God. I began to do the exact opposite, even though it might be hard for you to believe right now, but I was afraid to talk. I would get into a situation and I just wouldn't speak unless someone asked me a question, then I'd answer the question. If I had a feeling about something, if if someone would have asked, Do you have an opinion? I would just say no. And I would have ten of them. And I would hold them and they would just build up. And I'd stop speaking, and I would stop talking. And I found that I felt like this guy that had gotten into this prison, this cage, and there were locks on every door and every window, and I could not get out. I was a prisoner to trying to keep what God had created to be something amazing. I was trying to keep that thing from getting out. Because while my words and while my mouth was, as I said a moment ago, raw and ungoverned, that's the nature of a child being born. Little Raiden, we start with birth, we start in a raw and ungoverned place. And we grow from that, and the difference is we have to learn how to let him begin to govern those things. If I had it to do over again, and I went into the air, first of all, I wouldn't go AWOL now, now. But if I had it to do over again, knowing what I know today, when I was sitting in that little room back in the corner of that base, and that commander had come in and he had said, Steve, these are your options. You, you get out right now, you get an honorable discharge. You don't. We're going to take this a step further, and you could be going to Leavenworth. I think I would have said right off the bat, sir, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for helping me. I think I would have gotten out, be past my pride and be past my arrogance and be past that point where I feel like I had to win. I had to win every moment. Sometimes winning the moment doesn't mean you win in the moment. But the win comes later. Did you hear me? And I would have said, I want to believe that I would say now you know what? Thank you for your kindness. I really don't want to take the risk of prison so I'll, that honorable discharge really sounds like a good option. And if I could go back to that professor and he said, "Steve, have a seat." He was so kind. He was such a great guy. He was a good guy. I said, "Steve, have a seat." "Yes, sir. Would you like some coffee?" <laughs> take your time. Get past that arrogance because something happens as we begin to grow and we begin to change and, and there's an evidence that comes forth. And here's the thing. This is the abstract view of what this evidence is. When we begin to look and we begin to see and when, when what I saw as a problem and what my dad, my dad never meant to tell me, son, your mouth is going to get you in trouble because he saw that as a problem. What he was saying to me was, I want you to be aware that right now your mouth is a problem, but man, what a gift. If you can do something with that, what a gift. So in that raw and ungoverned place, I'd only speak when people would ask a question, I'd answer it, and I became terrified that my mouth would get me into trouble everywhere I went and every conversation I had. I became terrified. And believe it or not, I became the quietest guy in the room because I was afraid of the words that might come out of my mouth. Because here's the problem with Steve Parker. Steve Parker's problem is, if I see truth, I like to talk about it. And sometimes the truth is more important to me than the feelings that get hurt in telling it. It's true. but I had to change. And I want to read to you out of Exodus 4.10. Moses had a speech impediment. You know, we say sometimes that Moses stuttered, but it wasn't necessarily a stutter as much as of an impediment. But let me read Exodus 4.10. It said, Moses said to the Lord, he said, O my Lord, I am not eloquent. This is when the Father asked him or said to him, Moses, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. He said, I cannot speak. I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to me. But I am slow of speech and tongue. In the Hebrew, that slow of speech and tongue means heavy mouth and heavy tongue. It means that." Uh, The the, uh, interpretation of that is that means that he could not form all of his words correctly, couldn't form all of his letters correctly so it was more of an impediment than it was a stuttering and I can tell you that nevertheless in the middle of all of that impediment that Moses had, the father said what Moses would try to hide you know, I'm going to let Aaron do my talking or I'm going to let this one do the talking the father said, I'm calling you out I'm not calling Aaron, I'm calling you Do you think that I don't know that you have an impediment in Moses? Do you think that I'm not aware that you have a heavy mouth or heavy tongue? Do you think I'm not aware that you can't say this letter or that letter or this word or that word? Do you think I'm aware of that? I'm very aware of that. In fact, it's because of that that I'm actually calling you because that impediment is going to be the evidence that I use to show the world that I can use you and everybody else. Right now Moses, your impediment it's raw and it's ungoverned. But if you will listen to me, I'm going to govern that. I'm going to refine that. I'm going to mature that. When God called me, this is one thing I can say about when God called me to preach. I'll never forget the moment that I believed with all of my heart that he was calling me to be a minister of the gospel, but there has never been a single moment that he ever apologized for my personality to me. I've never one time heard God ever say, "Mm, I'm sorry I put that in you. Sorry that, you know, you get a little agitated with lies. (laughs) And then tell it. Sorry that you love the truth so much and you make sure that everybody hears it even if they don't want to. I've relived the moment over and over and over again where he said, this is what I want you to do. This is the way I want you to walk in. Steve, walk in it. But I've never one time had to live in a single moment where he said, mm, sorry that I called you with this. He's never asked me. Never. Never. Nor has He asked you. He's never asked me to change, to work on Steve and change the way I speak. What He's asked me to do is listen to Him and He'll take care of the change. Is anybody hearing me this morning? What the Father wants to do with our raw and unrefined, ungoverned ways is He wants to refine those ways. And he wants to mature those ways. Because the raw and the ungovernment, ungoverned, that is not the evidence that God is at work. The evidence that God is at work is when what is raw and what is ungoverned becomes refined and mature. I told you this was an abstract view of the evidence. When we think of evidence, I did this, so this happened. Well, here, this evidence is he put this in me and this is what he did with it. He put this thing in me that the world scorns, but God loves. He loves this about me, and he chose me to do this. He chose Gideon, who was hiding behind a rock. He didn't care about the fear. What man said, oh, he's a fearful little, little guy over there. He's just afraid of everything. And the father said, guess what I'm going to do with that fear? I'm going to use your fear, the very thing the world despises. I'm going to use it as my evidence. He said to Moses, the very impediment that you have, that everybody says, oh, there's something wrong with Moses. And the father said, there's nothing wrong with Moses. I created Moses just like that. And I'm going to use Moses with that thing. And it's going to be my evidence. So what's in you that you've been trying to hide? How many times did Moses try to put off the impediment or the, the, the speech impediment? How many times, I can't even tell you how many times I tried to so much reconstruct my words when I would want to respond to something and I would process it over and over and over again until it became so frustrating, nothing came out right and it had no effect. And the father all along is saying, Steve, just talk. And if it isn't right this time, it'll be better the next time. And then it'll be better the next time if you keep trusting me. Does anybody hear me this morning? So he wants to refine us and he wants to mature us. And I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And it said, and they were bringing children to Christ that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and he said to them, he said, let these children come let them gather around me stop hindering them because it's to these that the kingdom belongs truly I say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like these children will never enter it and he took them in his arms and he blessed them and he laid his hands on them he said truly I say to you he said first of all let these kids come right now they're raw and they're undefined but let them come to me let them sit in my culture Let them sit among my community. Let them sit in my house. Oh, but they're loud and they're obnoxious and they run when they should be walking and they talk loud when they should be whispering and they got their eyes open when they should be closed and and they're, whatever. And the father said, yeah. And I can work with that. And I did that on purpose. So let them come to me. Let them gather around my feet all their little sweaty smells and all their little messed up hair and all the little dirt on their face and the snot running down their nose. Let all of that get all around me. And all of their rawness. And all of their innocence. Even if all the adults in the room are saying, can't believe the kids are just out of control. He said, let those out-of-control kids get around me and let it be the evidence of the nature of Christ against those who have no evidence at all. It is the one who thinks they have the most evidence that is lacking. It is the one who thinks they're lacking that has. Do you hear me today? He said when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Some would have said, some translations do say, he was angry. Either way, he was frustrated. And many around them would have said, he can't be the Christ. I mean, he's showing his whatever. He's mad. Jesus wouldn't get mad. And he's saying, get those kids. And bring them to me. The ones that all these fancy little adults are holding back. Get those children and bring them to me. Let them twirl around my feet. Let the snot drip on the floor around me. Let the dirt rub off on my shoulder when they hug me. Let their hair rest on my lap. When they're grabbing my leg and squeezing with everything that they can. Let them gather around me in their innocence. Because if they will gather around me in their innocence, they will give me something to refine and to mature. They will give me something to work with. I can't work with them if they stay away because everybody says they have issues. They're immature. You got to stay away. You got to hide your immaturity. He said, the only way I can deal with it Those immature, ungoverned places, if if it's around me, it's got to be in my presence. It's got to be sitting beside me. It's got to be in front of me. It's got to be under the sound of my voice. It's got to hear the truth that that thing that you've tried to set over here and pretend isn't in you, indeed, is really the Father. He wants to bring it out. He just wants to refine it. It's okay. What are you hiding? What about you? You said, oh, this part of my personality, I just wish, why was I born with this part of my personality? Because he wanted you to be. He needed that. The people that have ever said to me about anything that I've preached, if you were really a preacher, you would never say that or you would have never done that. My only response is, I really am a preacher, and he really did have me say that, and he really did have me do that. That's how he called me. Am I perfect? No, but man, is he refining me. I cannot hide any longer what he put in me to use. Going back to Psalm 139, he knew your days before there even was a day for you. And he said in those early moments when he was just thinking about you in his mind, whatever the situation, I'll use me again. I know that this Steve kid is going to have a big mouth. He's going to talk out loud. He's going to tell people how he really feels. He's not going to be ashamed. I know this Steve kid is going to be that way. And I love it. But boy, it's going to be a little bit of a journey to govern that. It's going to be a little bit of a journey to mature that. But I need that. So make sure you put just enough sass in him. Make sure you put just enough pride in him. In the beginning, it's going to look like he wants to do it all on his own. But I'll refine that, and I'll bring it to the place where it's not about doing it his own way, but it's about doing it my way. But he'll have a pride that it's my way, not just his way. I'll turn his sass into truths that will change a life. He said, do not hinder them, for such belongs to the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Children never ask. Believe me, you know it. You know what I'm about to tell you is true. Let's talk about snot. <laughs> Children don't care. Nope. I mean, they're running around. It's all over their <laughs> lip, Running on their chin, Dripping. Some parents don't care, I know, yes, I get it. But kids don't care. Kids don't care about the dirt. They come in, man, their hair's all twisted and turned. My wife and I driving through the neighborhood yesterday, got this big pile of red clay out there. Big pile, red clay. Who puts red clay out where kids are? And these kids are climbing this mound of red clay. I don't know what color those kids really are because they're all red. From head to toe, all their clothes, and my wife and I were laughing, and we're saying, You know what? When those parents get these kids, they just throw those clothes away because that's not coming out. Don't throw the kids away, just the clothes. But kids don't care. Kids go to the beach, they got sand in every crack and crevice. I mean, you're digging things out of their ears everywhere their hair they don't care they're playing in that sand they bury themselves in it now maybe you got adults are like that i can't stand i don't like sand on me at all it just drives me nuts it just irritates me i can't stand it but kids it's all over them they don't care kids don't care and he says for such belongs the kingdom of god truly i say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of god like this child will not earn it this child that doesn't mind a little bit of sand being in their hair a little bit of snot running down there no this kid doesn't care he's man. i'm just glad to be here what are we doing next Has the next party started yet? <laughs> These little kids up here in front of the church. What song is next? Hey! You know, and they don't even know what song they're singing, but they're making sounds. They're pretending like they know every word. Oh, oh, I praise mm, you are um, Thank you. I hear them, man. They're up here. Hey! And then they'll shout. Kaylee'll, one of the Kayleys will say something. The kids are woo. <laughs> just happy to be here. Snot running down their nose and their hair's all over. None of them ever look around and say, I wonder if anybody's watching me. Is anybody watching me? Because I'm just, all of this glory that God gave me, all of this stuff that he put in me, I'm just going to let it out. I'm going to get it out of there because right now I'm raw and ungoverned. Right now that's the way I am and I know there's going to be a time that it's not okay to be up here in front of the church with snot running down my nose. There's going to be a day. (laughs) Today's not that day, but until that day comes, he's going to refine me. He's going to mature me. I'm going to, he's going to put people in my life that are there to refine me and mature me. Amen. And someday somebody's going to come up to me and wipe my nose and wash my hair and get the dirt off my cheeks and wipe away the red clay. Somebody's going to do that. And, you know, when that day comes, I might even resist it just like us. Yeah. Well, ah! Get that soap away from me. Ah. <laughs> a bath. What do you mean a bath? No, I'm not there it. No. And they run and they hide. I used My mother would chase me around. We had a glass table in the, in the living room. And when I would get in trouble for whatever reason, she had this long, big round. It was just round enough for me to stay two steps in front of her. She'd have the paddle in her hand, and I'm running around that table. <laughs> Steve, stop. Now, why would I? Whoever does that, oh, okay, I'm going to stop and let you hit me with that wood thing you got in your hand. Sounds like a good idea. Great thing to do. Catch me if you can. <laughs> right, you're right. That was a bad... With my dad, yeah, it was bad. But... but he said when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said, listen, he said, let these kids come to me in their raw form. Let them come to me with snot in their nose dirt on their face, hair all messed up, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Let them come to me with their outspoken ways. Let them come to me with their unruly moments and let me govern those. Let me teach them how to govern them. If we hide it, he can't work with it. It doesn't mean I have to take my ways and wear them on my sleeve. It doesn't mean I have to, when service is over today, everybody goes out, let me tell you who I really am. Well, man, I, you know, and just let it all out. Don't do, let's not do that. But the places in you that you've hidden away, the places in you that you've tried to say, this doesn't look like God. This doesn't look like the kingdom. This doesn't look like that. The father said, listen, these children don't ask me, is this the kingdom? Is this not the kingdom? They just come. And when they come and they sit in my community, they sit in my culture they sit in my nature they sit in my way they begin to see and they begin to change and suddenly that that's running down out of their nose matters and they be that thing that once seemed like an issue that so many called an issue really is the evidence that i had a plan for even that that mouth steve parker that you came into the earth with and you were told about all your life growing up that got you in trouble so many times has become the evidence that I put that there on purpose. And you're going to change lives with it. The same mouth that when it was ungoverned was destructive is the same mouth today through maturity and through refinement has been given life. Do you hear me today? The evidence sometimes isn't found in the obvious but is found in the abstract. It is found in the places where you would think evidence couldn't be found at all. I invite you today to look on the shelves of your life and to look into the corners of your life. Look hard Look along and find those things that make you, you. But somehow you have come to believe because someone said it can't be right. You need to correct that. You need to get rid of that. You need to do whatever. Find that place and get it out of the closet and get it off that shelf and stand before the Father and simply say, Father, you created me with it. Mature it in me. Because maybe, maybe, the mouth, the anger, the frustration, the whatever, you fill in the blank. Maybe whatever is there. Because you've put it on a shelf and you've hit it and you've tried to disguise it and you've tried to get it out of you. Maybe the reason it's never gotten out of you is because it is so much a part of you that to be separate from it, you could never fulfill your purpose. Moses could not have been the witness and testimony he was minus his impediment. Gideon could have never been the witness and testimony he was for that moment minus his need to overcome his fear and his little nature. And I could go on and on. But the Father, if he created you with it, ask yourself a different question today. Don't ask, why is this part of me, which I did so many times? Why do I just want to lash out? Why do my, mouth, why do my words, why do I, somebody says something and it goes again, I just want to, mm, that ain't right. Instead of asking, why is this part of me? Ask, Father, how can you use this for your glory? Instead of saying, Why am I mad? Why do I get angry about these things? Say, Father, how can I use that for your glory? How come I'm so quiet and I can't, and when I want to speak, I can't speak? Ask the Father, How can I use silence for your glory? Doesn't mean I'm bashful. Doesn't mean I have nothing to say. Sometimes there's more power and more change in what isn't said than what is in what is said. So today, let the evidence of God be found in those places that have never looked like evidence, but in reality was his blueprint for you from the very beginning. Stand with me if you would, please. I want to pray for you, and then I want you to join with me and pray this morning for Camilla Perez. Camilla is Christian and Vanessa's baby, born at 20 weeks. She is considered a uh, many, what are, they, what, are, what are they, micro, micro preemie. And she weighed one pound. And she is in need of a miracle today yes, sir. Yes, sir. in the hospital. And I want us to lift our voice over her. And I'm going to believe this about Camilla. And there's, it's intentional that I waited until now. That while we might ask, why Was she born 20 weeks early? And we try to figure out what went wrong. Can we change our perspective and not see the dirt under our feet, but see holy ground? Not see a carpenter's son, but see the Messiah? Can we change our perspective today and see that it isn't what went wrong? It's what the Father is doing that is right? right and let's see what he does. Father, I lift my voice for this people today. Lift your hands. I lift my voice over Camilla today, and I declare that you are a healing God. And the anointing of God dwells in that little sweet precious girl. She's here on purpose. It was your intent to send her into the earth. So we're not asking today. What's wrong? What went wrong? We're asking today, what's right and how can you do the miraculous and what is right? We're striking hands with you, declaring today that your word never returns void, never comes back empty on any way, but on every way that is fulfilled and it is full of truth and life. We strike hands with you today. We speak life and strength and the miraculous to your body, Camilla Perez, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen and, amen, and amen, and amen. So when I say to you, rethink the reason today in this evidence. Rethink the reason. The reason those things are in you isn't because the father was trying to test what you would do with that thing that you've tried to push aside it's in you because in its mature form it's a gift that he can use it's a gift that he can use check your shelves check your closets those pieces and parts of you that you have hidden away because you do not feel like it's worth showing the world the father says bring it out well what if someone gets hurt by it or it does this or it does this or it's not pretty the father says bring it out get it in my nature surround it let it be surrounded by my nature by my culture by my community let it be surrounded by who I am do you hear me today Amen, amen, and amen. I love you. I bless you. Celebrate the kingdom today. Make a difference this week. Let me say something to you. And you're going out. You have opportunity to do something. As My wife, well, me, my wife and I both, but whenever, lately, she's been up here helping with music. So I've been coming on my own to church. I've been abandoned. But I drive in every Sunday and when I'm driving in every Sunday and I look at the sidewalks and I see people walking down the sidewalks they're walking their dogs they're walking their children they're they're doing whatever but they're not going to gather with anybody to honor God. And all I want to do every week is I want to pull over and I want to ask them why. Why aren't you going somewhere? And I think that the reason would be some of the reasons that many of us have heard many times and that is because this one was hurt by whatever this church did or they were hurt by whatever this preacher did or they feel like all the churches do this or that and it's all, you know somehow the churches ruin their life. Or they've never been to church or they never saw the importance of it or when they went it just didn't seem like a place that they would want to be again. Whatever the reason. We have a responsibility in the kingdom of God. To look around the room when we gather together like this, this morning. And before we hurry to get out and about and to do what we're doing, when we come in, before we rush to find our seat, can we change? And we're, you're amazing at being involved in, in getting to know one another. But there's another level. And when you come in, can we change this? Can we grow in this? Can we mature even more in this place where when we come in, no one is ever alone? No one's ever sitting alone. Doesn't matter whether we know them. No one's ever over there doing their own thing, but everyone is important. So that there's this sense, not because it's been manufactured, because it's really in us. And I'll tell you this, in some, there's this insatiable desire in you, you just want to go and you want to meet everybody, but that's something you've hidden away because someone says, told you too long, you talk too much. And the Father said, bring it on. Bring it on. He'll refine it. But I believe that people wouldn't be walking those sidewalks on a Sunday morning walking their dogs, and playing with their kids on a Sunday morning. I believe they would be in a place where if they came, they experienced had an experience that made them know, I want to come back. Yeah. Amen. I can't speak for any other ministry, but I can speak for this one. I'm prophesying this is the house. Yes. That when they walk through those doors, they don't want to be anywhere else. And they won't be walking their dog next Sunday morning. And they won't be walking their kids Somewhere else. They'll be walking them over to Kids Rock. Do you hear me today? But I'm not the only one that can do that. You are too. So when you go out this week, don't just live like you're not going somewhere that's going to change your life when we gather again. But live like when, you, when we gather again, your life is going to be changed. And you want to invite someone's life to be changed with you. If you live like that. You'll talk about it. And they will hunger and thirst for what they see in you. Amen. Love you. Bless you. Thank you.